having the chance to chat with Josh Rand of The Life Project over Zoom video. You might recognize him from Stone Sour. He's the guitar player of that band. One of the founding members of Stone Sour, actually, with Corey Taylor, who you'd know from, obviously, Stone Sour and Slipknot. But, but Josh talks to us about being born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa, and how he got into music. He has this really cool story about his mom taking him to see Kiss. I think he was three or five years old. His mom took him to see Kiss because that was his absolute favorite band. But can you imagine a mom taking your five, three to five-year-old to a Kiss show because he wants to be there? It's just so cool. But Josh picked up bass first. That was the first instrument he learned. A few years later, he picked up the guitar. He tells us about a couple bands he was in prior to starting Stone Sour in the early, early 90s. Kind of walking away from music for a number of years there in the 90s when Corey Taylor went and joined Slipknot and that band had a lot of success. When he returned to Des Moines, that's when Josh and Corey started writing a record, which ended up becoming the first Stone Sour record. And that band has done amazing things. And obviously the longevity of Stone Sour being around for two decades, they put out Hydrograd in 2017. Stone Sour is on a little hiatus after they wrapped up the album cycle for Hydrograd and the tour. And that's when Josh started writing what became this new project, a life project. And he was sending the music back and forth to his A&R, and he really wanted to find a female to front the band. So Josh tells us how he got into contact with Cassandra Carson, who is the vocalist now for the Life Project. He tells us about writing and recording the record over the course of COVID. They were able to do it in his home studio. Their brand new EP and the amazing effort and attention to detail they've put into the release of this EP. Very limited number of records, all hand-signed, hand-numbered. I believe there's only like 50 cassettes, a few hundred CDs, and there's a handful of different colors of the vinyl. So it's a very limited number of actual physical copies of this new record that are out there. So get on it if you want one. And make sure to check out their new record. It is amazing. The Life Project. And check out our video interview with Josh Rand on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with The Life Project. I'm Adam, by the way, and this is all about you and uh, your journey in music. And we'll talk about, obviously, the new record coming out on Friday. Right on. Cool. I mean, I don't know if you mind talking a little bit about your earlier career and we can obviously yeah. dive into the new stuff. OK, cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, where where were you born and raised? Uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. Tell me about that a little bit. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a semi uh, small city. Here in the center of the U.S., if you don't, <laughs> if you don't know, it's <laughs> Iowa, not Idaho or Illinois. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, I grew up. I'm the uh, oldest of nine. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, and I mean, I guess that's basically kind of it. I mean, it was. Anyone else I, in music musical in your family at all? No. I'm the only one. Well, actually, I take that back. My youngest brother actually does. Uh, he writes beats and sells beats in that whole world that I don't understand. Oh, cool. So, OK, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he does pretty well in it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the two of us. Obviously, we're in 
two different spectrums though. <laughs> I was gonna say, a little two different worlds in, yeah, in that so, regard. Yeah. Right on. Um, well, how did you get into music? Um, I was just naturally drawn to it right out of the gate. Um, my parents played a lot of stuff in the seventies, which I still is like, might still be my favorite era of music in general, as far as the whole, like all different styles. And, uh -huh. um, yeah, as far back as I can remember, I, I mean, I was told that, uh, I could sing a bunch of kiss songs at the age of three. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> they were my, they were my first concert at the age of five. Really? Yeah. My mom took me. It's a great story. I love this story. Um, so I was a kiss fan, obviously. Uh, they played here in Des Moines in 1979. It was the dynasty tour. My mom took me to that show. And that same night, my dad went and saw Pope John Paul II. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yes. The Pope. Dad's you know. going to see the Pope. Mom's <laughs> going to see kiss. With her son. <laughs> so yeah. That's it's incredible. pretty amazing. So yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just always been sucked in, into the music, you know, and uh, did you both go in full makeup or was it just standard? No, no we were standard. We were. Yeah, we weren't that diehard, I guess. But, um, but it was pretty cool. Um, it's kind of funny because John Cougar is who was the opener That's before Mel. Yeah, before Mellencamp. This was really? the very beginning of his career. Yeah. Kiss, if you look at it, Kiss had so many openers that would go on to do massive things. It's kind of crazy and cool that they always really paid attention to who the openers were that they took out over the years. I mean, I mean, it's huge. That list is. That's I mean, cool. you got to think Rush, Mellencamp, Motley Crue. Um, those are the ones that just come off the top of my head yeah. like really quick that, you know, they got their break with you know with Don't going they still, out they still kind of do that too right with oh, more yeah. of the like bands like came in in the 2000s or later 90s and yep they're always taking out up and coming acts which is really cool i heard metallica does that too somebody told me that and they'll front the bill for the band is what i've heard i don't know if it's true though well i don't know i feel like Lars kind of picks the opening band that he's into at that time. Okay. <laughs> but I've heard that like, cause if you get on one of those big stadium tours, like you kind of have to pull your weight as far as money goes. Right. They right. don't just, they don't. And I've, I was told that Metallica will kind of waive your, <laughs> your fee, so to speak when it comes to that stuff. If you, if you're uh, lucky enough to be picked to, to open for Metallica. Yeah. But I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Well, that's cool. That That's cool that Kiss does that, too. I didn't. Now that you mentioned it, it makes sense going back and thinking about some of the bands that I remember, like, type of bands that would open up for them. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's cool that they would see seek those out. But that's awesome. So Kiss was your first show. Um, did you get into guitar right away? Or I know you were a bass player. Was that your first yeah. instrument? Bass was my first instrument. I'm kind of a late bloomer. I didn't start playing until I was 15. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and... Bass is where I started out. Then I went to drums for a bit, then back to bass. And then uh, I ended up just being a better guitar player than all the guitar players I knew. <laughs> I mean, that's the honest God's truth. That's what happened. And um, so everybody's like, oh, you got to play guitar. So, and it's 
the person that really pushed me is Sean Economaki, who was playing guitar mm-hmm. and who would obviously we would be able to be in Stone Sour in the very beginning together. Sure. So we just switched instruments. So I went oh, to guitar he, and he, he went, went to bass. Bass. Oh yeah, yeah sure. So, okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's how the whole guitar thing really ended up happening for me. Um, and did Stone Sour start that early on? I mean, how, how old were you guys when that band formed? Well, Stone Sour originally, originally started in 93. Uh-huh. Um, Corey, myself and Sean actually played uh, in another band like right when I started, when I was, I was playing bass then. Um, so it would have been like, I would have been 16, I think, mm-hmm. um, called Criminal Mischief. Solid yeah. name. Yeah, solid. And then Corey and myself played in another band after that called Dirty Finger. It never. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And it, it never, it never got out of the basement that one. And then Stone Sour happened. And okay. then. And then obviously, yeah. Then obviously, uh, Corey would join Slipknot in the mm-hmm. end of two ninety six or whatever, and then Stone Sour ultimately would come back after the two of us uh, basically did an album. Mm-hmm. That's what happened? We started in like two thousand. We did a thing that we just called Project X, which was kind of us just recording and having fun with no limitations or anything, and that That's grew cool. into being Stone Sour that the world knows. Oh, interesting. Okay. And that, isn't that kind of what happened with this new group too? I mean, what you're doing now? Similar? Well, not, well not, not really. Um, okay. So with the Life Project, it really started at the beginning of 19 for me, coming off of the Hydrograd cycle with Stone Sour. Okay. I just started writing music. And then, I don't know. My timeline's probably off a little bit, but about six months after we were off, Corey was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this solo record in between the Slipknot records this time around, mm-hmm. which then obviously just put us on a hiatus longer than what we normally do. And then I just decided, well, if I'm ever going to step out of Stone Sour, I guess now is the time to do it. And, okay. And um, so I just made that decision. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do something different. It's going to be female fronted. And uh, so I started working on it. And then at the beginning of 2020 is when I was put in contact with Cassandra. And, oh, okay. Uh, via our Stone Sour A&R guy from Roadrunner, Dave Rath, put us in contact with one another. And we started working on stuff. We did some covers in the beginning. And the first song we did as an original together was the nothingness. And then I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this has potential to be something really cool. Sure. And then COVID happened. Oh, so this is all, okay. Uh, that was going to be a question of mine later was just if you had started the project together because of COVID, but it sounds like yeah. it was already kind of going. Yeah. It was really the beginning of me starting to put a band together before COVID oh. happened, which is one of the reasons why I did everything on this record. And it's, my plan is is to have it be an actual band, but COVID kind of made it so we couldn't put, we couldn't round out the band. Sure. Um, at this point. It's and, easier the plan, to work with the two of you, obviously. Yeah. And I mean, I have the studio in my house, so it's like, it just made sense. And really what it came down to is it just got to the point last year, especially in the U.S. where we were just at the all-time high with COVID and no end in sight, where I'm just mm-hmm. like, 
I got to put this music out. We have 13 songs. Wow. Um, and we can at least uh, start laying the groundwork for when we do go out. Um, and that was the plan. But in recording that, my plan wasn't for it just to be myself on all the instruments. Oh. It, was, it was literally just in the songwriting part of it for me doing that because it was just the two of us. Mm-hmm. But then it was, we want to round it out to be an actual band, which it will be eventually, hopefully oh. by the end of the year. Oh, cool. So yeah, this is going to be a thing. You're going to tour and do a full band thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's, not just that's the plan a little one-off year. project. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to re- rewind real quick. Cause you did attend, didn't you go to Berkeley school of music? I did it on, I did the classes online. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. And I when did, did you, did you attend like out of high school or, or do it later down the line? I've been doing it over the last 10 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Take okay. a class here and there and, yeah eventually i mean i'm one i was one class or i don't know i haven't taken anything for a couple of years but i was one uh-huh. class away from having my masters i just have to do jazz 101 oh wow yeah. I, I did see that you were you're working on a master's degree and i was curious that it's just funny to me that the, berkeley isn't just like dude <laughs> you've yeah. achieved so much as a guitar player here's the here's the degree as a master no i, I mean <laughs> The whole idea is, is I just, you can always grow. I mean, if, right. you, if you're not learning, then you're just, you'll just start repeating yourself. Uh-huh. So that was my whole idea of doing the whole thing was to get myself out of a box and to think, think different. That's really cool. I think that's so cool that you're doing that. I didn't realize it was online, but that's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome. So right away then you you kind of did things get going pretty quickly with stone sour once you had that band because that was probably your primary focus what out of high school well i mean well out of high school i mean there was a while that i quit playing music in the 90s oh, really after yeah after really Corey was in slipknot and i was here in des moines um i really couldn't find anybody that uh the time that I wanted to play the same stuff that I wanted to play. And then the next thing you know, I ended up getting married and having my first kid mm-hmm. and life had started me on that trek. Okay. Of, and then a couple years later is when stone sour happened. Oh, right. wow. Yeah. So, and then yeah, and started a whole other different journey. Sure. Were you not you so you weren't doing anything in as far as music was going at that time? Well, I was I was playing, you know, it was more of having fun as a hobby. It wasn't like a professional yeah. thing. You know, okay. it's more for myself and like I said a lot of the first Stone Sour album uh musically I had written during that time. Oh, uh, okay. So when that record came out, I mean, that <laughs> it does really, really well, obviously, right. you know, kind of right out the gate, you get a, you have a gold record. Um, you guys signed a Roadrunner. Was there a lot of like groundwork prior to that? Or was there like, you know, were you playing small clubs that eventually get the deal with Roadrunner? Like, can you tell me about how that kind of came together? Um, well, we had written, well, like I said, Corey and myself had basically written a huge chunk of what would be the first Stone Sour record before the other guys were even a part of it. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it was basically a full record. And 
Corey gave it to Monty Connor, who at that time was the A&R person for Roadrunner. And he loved the song Get Inside. But he's like, hey, I think it's cool, but I'm kind of in the same position that I am now back then, which is it was just the two of us. Oh, sure. And uh, he's like, you guys need to be a band. I mean, it, it need, you, you, can't, you two can't play everything. And, and you need to play live. So it just made sense for us um, to bring back basically the original Stone Sour guys. And that's how it played out from the 90s. Oh. So those three guys came back. We played two shows here in Des Moines. Um, the band was already signed. There, I mean, the reality is this. I mean, Roadrunner was not going to let... Uh, Corey take this have anywhere stone sour else. anywhere else i mean <laughs> sure. it was just not going to happen so i mean we Smart were like, move on there and obviously yeah i, I mean think, we were uh, already signed before we had even played a show um just off of the initial demos but we played two shows here before we went and recorded the record uh-huh. um and then yeah then it came out and we were playing all the european festivals <laughs> that's amazing yeah it, it went really quick uh-huh. So, yeah, uh, I could imagine. Was that a pretty shocking? I mean, for you, how how was that to kind of respond to that as far as like you weren't, you know, you, were, you had a wife and kids and then now you're in this band and it's like, okay, you're going to go to Europe. You're going to play these festivals. I mean, was it kind of hard to juggle all that or um, were you aware of what was to come up kind of? I had no idea, honestly. I didn't know what to expect. It was exciting and terrifying the same time for me. It was like, you know, the rest of the band, for Joel and myself um, at the time, we really hadn't left Iowa, you know. Uh -huh. Obviously, Corey, Jim, and Sean actually was a tech in Slipknot. You know, those guys had already toured and been around the world for right. the self-titled record and for the Iowa record. So I think it was a little bit different for the two of us of just seeing the world and getting outside of basically the Midwest. Uh -huh. um, but it was surreal. I mean, growing up, I mean, Metallica was my favorite band. So being part of that bill when, when they came back with St. Anger mm -hmm. and being in, I mean, it sticks out in my head like yesterday, um, you know, it's like their first show back. And being on that bill and sitting on the side stage watching this in Italy, I was just like, this is insane. Like, <laughs> this, this is surreal. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy, honestly, when I think back. Just, it was a whirlwind of how fast everything went. Sure. Wow. We were very, obviously, uh, very lucky in many ways. But at the same time, we also worked our butts off. I mean, like I tell everybody, it, nothing was given to us. Right. I mean, and the thing is, is you could sit there and go, well, you know, Corey's also in Slipknot, but you're not around for 20 years and just as successful 20 years in as when you first started it. If you are if just you throwing, sh yeah. And yeah. then you're just throwing shit to see if it sticks to the wall. I mean, sure. obviously we've all worked our butts off in Stone Sour. So, um, and in some ways we've had more obstacles because of yeah. other stuff. I mean, I mean, 
because people are going to compare you. They're going to, they're going to, yeah. And, and, and in a sense, like there's just because you had kind of attention on you, maybe right close, like quicker than anyone else. That doesn't mean people are going to critique you even more. I would think right. than anything else. If you were just a band that's sounded that put out the first stone sour record and it would, and it does what it does. People aren't going to, like people that are fans of Slipknot aren't going to come back and be like, Oh, well, this doesn't sound like this or that. And, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're getting both ends of the, the spectrum, I would think as far as critiquing goes. Oh yeah. But that's what we do as people period though. Right. We always want to critique and we always want to compare um, people to something we're familiar with. And then sometimes that's not a bad thing. I don't think, but sure. at the same time, can also be annoying. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for me, with, within Stone Sour, anytime I hear, at this point, side project, I mean, it, it, I want to blow a gasket because it's like, you, you know, we're six albums in. Right. <laughs> two decades and a bunch of accolades. It's not really a side like, project. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably really a side project after the second record comes out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just be honest. Exactly. <laughs> um, and once again, we wouldn't be there if the songs weren't good. I don't right. care who the hell is in the band. Right. Nobody I mean, would show up again. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I'm not going to throw names out there because there's no point, but there's been other people that have stepped out of their main band, let's say, and done something. And I'm sorry, but it's not, it hasn't had the longevity and the success that Stone Sour has. I would say there's very, very few bands. I, th I would think there's more bands of people that have stepped out as the, you know, a certain band that they were in started another quote unquote side project. And that ran its course after a record or an EP. Then there is bands like, like Stone Sour, where it's like you had a guy that was in another band that came back. And now you have, like you said, six albums in, in 20 years. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of bands that you could that that could be said about. I don't think. Well, to me, I mean, obviously, I've gotten that question a billion times, and there's really only one other band that I can think of always off the top of my head, and that's a Perfect Circle. Oh, that's a great example. Um, you know, and I, I think that both, not that we sound musically alike, and no. obviously, Tool and Slipknot don't sound alike, but just the whole how it's kind of the same thing. Sure. And, and, you know, nobody calls Perfect Circle a side project. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is, damn it, I want some respect now. After you deserve decades. it. Yeah, you so, deserve it. You deserved it after this, you know, the and we have more, record. Yeah, and we put out more records than they have at this right. point. So it's like, wait a minute here. Uh, well, I want to ask you real quick. Cause you, you were kind of putting this project together. You said after Hydrograd came out, like that, mm -hmm. that's the album cycle happened. So, you know, that record happens that, that, uh, the album cycle ends the tour and you start working on what becomes a live project where like you guys were already kind of at a hiatus, like not hiatus, but you're taking some time away prior to COVID even happening. So that just the only thing that really kind of did to, to stop what was going on is basically had it. So you two had to write the whole record, right? And you weren't right. able to form a band. Is that kind of what happened? Well, I mean, I think ultimately the two of us would have wrote the record anyway. Okay. Um, it just, the final recording, uh, I think for me would have been 
ideal to have a full band instead okay. of myself. Gotcha. You know, I, I'm limited on on the other instruments to some degree. I mean, like you mentioned, my primary thing is guitar and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. So my keyboard chops will not be at the same level to whomever comes in to play keyboards. Like keys. <laughs> <You know>? Sure. <laughs> so, um, but I think the song structures would already been there. I just think they might've got a little bit more complex. Um, you know, you would have had other people's inputs versus just the two of us. So on one hand, mm-hmm. I, I can sit here and I'd be lying if I didn't say, it's kind of nice not to have to bounce ideas off of anybody <laughs> sure, <laughs> or bang heads with somebody today because I want this section to sound like this, or they want that section to sound like this. But there's also something to be said when you get four or five or nine guys that all <laughs> right <laughs> are hitting are, are on the same page. So, you know, I'm curious and excited about where the next step for this is going to go when mm. it is rounded out as a band. So am I. I'm us. curious to see who you guys are going to get to fill in, you know, yeah, or fill in the be, spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, we're stoked about oh, the that's future. That's so cool. Well, tell you said you were able to kind of meet each other through your A&R at mm-hmm. Roadrunner. Yeah. Okay, so did you have a this these saw like tell me how that conversation even started? Was it like okay, I've got this thing going, I want to find. You said you wanted to find a female to to front the band, and was it like your A and R was like, oh, you know, how about Cassandra? Was it that kind of conversation? Tell me about the conversation. Well, the conversation. I mean, obviously, I'm already under contract with Roadrunner with Stone mm-hmm. Sour. Sure. So anything that I do has to be approved or it has to go through them because technically, like I said, I'm under contract with Stone Sour. So everything that I had been writing, I was sending to Dave Rath to listen to oh, okay. the music. So he was hearing the music. Um, and then, like I said, I had told him that, hey, this is going to be, I want it to be female fronted on many levels. I just think my idea was two, two reasons behind that. One was I felt musically it would allow me to go into different directions that I could couldn't go with stone sour mm-hmm. and uh, the other thing is i felt when we talked about comparisons i felt if a man if a male vocalist came into this i'm going to have my style which is always going to have you're going to hear a little bit of stone sour sorry of course. It's just, I, yeah it's but... who i am <laughs> yeah, exactly so, um so with that being said i thought having a male vocalist come in all they're going to get is comparison critique to yeah compare Corey sure so and so it made it very simple to me but then in in the idea of wanting a female singer but then it was like can I find a female singer that has the voice that I want which is I wanted somebody that was super powerful and had um a a little bit of a growl but not sings like that and Mm -hmm. um I, I'm not in, there's a time and place to have those vocals. Um, but it seems to me like everyone is shifting more towards that style. You know, when I grew up, uh, for the most part, everybody could actually, in my opinion, sing, like really sing, 
you know? I, yeah. There wasn't and, as much processing yeah, exactly. as done now. You know where I'm going. I'm yeah, trying yeah. to do this <laughs> diplomatically and not I understand what you're doing. Off, but it's like, <laughs> you know, all the albums I love, those people, there was no auto tune. There was no right. flying this word or this <laughs> or that. It was like, these people went in there and they actually sang that shit. Right. Um, Cut it to a tape. And if it's not there, it's not there. Yeah, <laughs> <Tough> exactly. <laughs> it was like, we just signed this band. Uh, we might need to find the band, a new singer. That's what would happen back in the <laughs> right. day. It wasn't like, well, call in this engineer and we He'll can make it, it work. Yeah. Clean this up. <laughs> yeah. I'm convinced nowadays with the right engineer, I got to find this person. I know that they're out there. I want to sing one song. No, just me really honestly trying to sing it and see if they can actually make me into a singer. <laughs> I think they could do that. I mean, you already see backups that you could do it easily. I backups is different. I just got to <laughs> find my blend in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just, they, you. <laughs> you, know, you know, when it's like five people singing or seven or whatever, doing those backups, <laughs> you can get away with not really being able to sing. You just got to be able to get that tone that they need you to hit. Sure. <laughs> singing, singing, on the other hand, there's not very many people that I've that have come out over the last 10 years where I'm like, and, and it not necessarily that it's all on them because it's so hard because everybody's relying on all the digital stuff, you know, because mm -hmm. it's quick, it's easy, it's fast. It's one of the things with this project that I really set out to do was and it was more on the mixing side with Josh Wilbur was, I didn't want it to sound like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what, to me, what technology has done. It's made it, I'm not saying that the songs are written exactly the same, but the sonics, like everybody has that same production. Sure. Like, I'm like, it's the same goddamn drum sounds. Like, how right. is this possible? We get back to those albums that I love. And it was like, none of those bands sounded like mm -mm. one another, like at all completely different mm -hmm. because they went in they set that shit up and that was the tones that they achieved now it's like who gives a shit just throw a mic on that tom because we're just <laughs> going to replace it anyway it doesn't right. even need to sound good we just need to we just need to have that hit there so we can sound replace it right um but it's in my opinion it's killing music in the sense of uh I think there's a subconscious ear fatigue, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds really deep and crazy, but no, if, it does make sense. If everything is sonically the same from one artist to another, um, it just, I don't know, it just drives me nuts. And that was one of the big things with, with this. I wanted it to, it's like, hey, no, this is what it needs to sound like. And don't, this is my guitar tone. I don't want it reamped. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what it is in, you know, down the road, same with the other instruments. And uh, yeah. So did you record it all yourself and produce it yourself or did you? I produced it. Um, we recorded almost all of it in my house uh -huh. and I'm one of the engineers depending. I mean, I get an engineer credit, but it's more of me doing the keyboard stuff uh, versus the guitar and the, the other main instruments okay because playing the other instrument i mean keyboard's different when i'm recording or you know the ear candy stuff it's a little easier to record and and play it when i'm playing when i'm tracking guitar i don't want to run the computer um, okay it's just 
I want to go super fast. That's the thing. I like to go record fast. And I'm also one of those guys, if it's not there, then let's hit it again. We're not okay. fixing this part, this part. Sure. And honestly, I pride myself for the most part to try to be able to play the entire thing in its entirety and very little fixes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there's just a vibe that way. Yeah. There's the I, human element. We leave that in there. Um, you know, there's parts that aren't perfect in the EP. I wanted to, I initially left those moments in there because it's like, once again, we've gotten to the point now where everything has to be perfect. And right. There's something to the grit to it. I, yeah. I like it. And yeah, I, just, I come from a radio world. So to me, listening to, to stations that it's like, you can tell that the person's obviously recorded the whole their whole entire show to me it's like there's there's something real about when somebody screws up to me i'm like well that's you know that's cool like there's actually a person there that screwed up you know what yeah. i mean it's not like you just hit three notes and you're like okay i'm gonna cut this and then copy it throughout the whole entire song i just think i like no that that's that, that was a huge thing when we did the guitars i was like we're not uh we're not flying anything mm-hmm like so yeah guess what that's the same riff that happens in all three choruses but i can tell you right now i played it i'm playing it three times right? <laughs> yeah i'm playing it all three all three times are different technically right you really sure. put them together yeah um, so yeah it's just that sense of pride like i said i get it money time is money and stuff but at the same time i think we're losing quality and people don't realize the quality of music and and just I'm a big fan of great sonically sounding records. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and I've come to realize like all of my favorite sounding records are from the seventies. It's crazy. Like I think that it's just the production, the warmth of everything, the tones of everything. Mm -hmm. And we get back to once again, no computers. Right. It's everybody. Yeah. Everybody had to play it, you know, your engineer and your producer at that time were creating those sounds for that record. Not mm-hmm. like I said, going back to the who gives a shit throw. My, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen in another 10 years when it comes to drums. Cause nobody's going to know how to mic a drum kit truly right. properly. There's no need to anymore. Right. Yeah, it's just, Hey, make sure we get those hits and we'll replace those sounds. It's like, if you look at the Zeppelin records where like Bonham was playing in what, like a hall with like the mic, like taped to the ceiling, like just trying to get oh, certain yeah. sounds like that you would now you could probably just find a plug-in that will give you John Bottoms drums of Zeppelin four or something. I don't know. Like oh you those can tones you're looking for, you know what I mean? Oh, trust me, you can. <laughs> yeah, it's just so interesting to me. Well, oh man, thank you so much for for talking with me today, Josh. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I love awesome. the I love the record. I love what you have do, you're doing so far. At least the three songs that I've heard. Um, obviously, you put out the nothingness first. Was that was that the first song you had done? And we're like, let's just kind of see what this does. I'm just curious. And then, yeah. did you write around that, or what was? How did that have, work? No, I knew what five songs we were gonna have on the EP. Like I said, it was these five songs were the ones I felt that were complete. Um, okay, out of what we had written. Um, I think the consensus was the nothingness would be the first track to introduce the band. There was a brief talk for a second of it, whether it would be that or ignite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like 
it just made sense. It was like the first song that we wrote together. It, it's a great track. It, it's very guitar driven with the riffs. It sounds like me, mm -hmm. I think more than the other four. So that's why we just went with it. It's the first one, you know? Okay. It's great, man. I love it. I mean, all the three songs, like I said, are cool, are really cool. I love it. And I'm a sucker for female fronted bands, <laughs> to be honest, especially recently. I've been listening to prominently like female vocalists. Um, so I thought that was really cool that it, you have a female fronted band as well. Um, so you, you do have a, a, you know, you want to form a band around this and, and take it on tour and, and play live. Is there any like timeline in the works or is it just kind of figuring it out since stuff's just starting to open up? It's it's just figuring out. Hopefully next year. The plan for this year, as of today, which obviously could change in Tomorrow. an hour, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, will be the EP comes out on on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're going to release <clears throat> a couple of the covers that we did uh, in the very beginning to uh -oh. kind of just. But it's going to be just for fun. We're like I said, um, there'll be a big disclaimer of hey, these are just we're letting you kind of into our world from a year ago or a year and a half ago, of us discovering one another to move forward in the life project. You know, mm -hmm. we're not recording these now. It was like, I don't want to say it was Cassandra's tryout, but um, in some ways that's what it was. It was kind of for me to see, Hey, how flexible is her voice? You know, I know from what I can hear with her band, what she can do, but how does it work with this? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we'll release those and then hopefully first quarter next year, it's going to be either a second EP or a full length. We might just oh, do a full wow. length and just bring these five songs over to what we've already started. Mm -hmm. um, and then tour if, That's amazing. if we can. That's amazing. And are you guys releasing uh, like some limited number of like what signed ones? Is that, is that what I saw? All the stuff, all the physical copies for this, um, I'm a huge collector, so a lot so of am I. I'm a dork when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> a lot of guys, I got a couple emails and they're like, dude, we hate you right now. And I was like, but you know that I collect this stuff, right? So I know how I'm going to approach it. So um, all the physical copies, vinyl, CD, and cassettes are all hand signed, the covers, hand numbered. There's four different vinyl colors. Rad. What I did with that was, um, there's a exclusive guitar pick that comes with every physical copy. So for instance, the glow in the dark vinyl has a glow in the dark guitar pick. Oh, cool. And the clear, uh, or the white vinyl has the white guitar pick. And then the, the golden black vinyl has a golden black guitar pick. You get where I'm going. With mm -hmm. this. So, mm -hmm. so all the guys, all the good pick collectors out there are like cussing me saying, are you seriously going to buy like six versions? <laughs> yeah, I've got to buy six <laughs> records now. <laughs> so, uh, to get all the guitar picks, but it's all limited. It's all short run. Um, and now with the idea or the possibility of these songs carrying over to the full length for next year, we will not be repressing any of it. So oh, once it's wow. gone, it's gone. How many numbers? I mean, how many copies of each record do you have? Um, depending on the color. Um, okay. There's really not that many. There's, I think, 350 gold that's through Nuclear Blast uh -huh. website. That's their exclusive. Then there's 100 Glow in the Dark 
Oh, wow. On, so they're on really our, Yeah. On our website. Um, and then 500 CDs and 50 cassettes. Whoa. Yeah. And then the other two colors of vinyl are also limited to 100. Okay. One, one is for uh, an independent record store called Vinyl Cup. And then the other okay. is for another independent store here in Des Moines that I'm really good friends with called Jay's CD and Hobby. And they and Jay's has the white vinyl and Vinyl Cup has a Coke bottle clear. Um, Rad. Yeah. I'm going to, because I, I, I did see that you're doing them. I haven't had a chance to look, but that's really cool to know that there's different ones and then at different spots. So you have to kind of go around. Yeah. So the one a couple i mean like i said i had a couple people that i'm good friends with and another <laughs> one of my friends was like dude i can't believe you did this he's actually taking off work on friday because i was like i can't take those records i mean they're so limited it's not like a stone sour release where there's you know ten thousand plus or whatever gets made you know where i'm like hey no problem i'll grab you whatever it's like no those guys ordered the hundred they get the hundred, they have to sell the hundred. There's no extras like, right. So, um, yeah, you can't like set aside one for your friend or anything. No, actually, I actually (laughs) had to buy two Coke bottle clear. (laughs) All right. Which is really messed up. Cause like, I'm like, seriously, like I just packaged all this stuff up and I actually have to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing though. (laughs) So I just, I just went on your site and I have, I have the, the, um, the, the glow in the dark one in my cart. So (laughs) when we get off this call, (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, that is very close to being gone. So if you're very, if you're interested, then I would grab it because as of this morning, there was only eight left. Really? Okay, I have yeah. it in my card, so hopefully it's not gone by the end of the conversation. But that's so cool. That's so cool. I love that. And I love that you guys spent the time to sign them all and number them all. I think that's so rad. Yeah, well, as I said, I'm a collector. I did a bunch of other crazy stuff. I mean, uh, as a big vinyl collector, I hate the paper in sleeves. Oh, Inner yeah. sleeves. They oh. destroy records. So... I didn't know that. I'm a, I'm yeah. a cre- collector too. I didn't realize that they did that. I, I ended up pulling all those out personally myself and replaced them with the archive uh, wow. anti-static sleeves. Yep. All Whoa. 700 records. Wow. Well, yeah. thank you. We appreciate that. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know and, that. Yeah. And then also they all come with resealable outer sleeve, clear sleeves. Wow. Whoa. Protect, because everything is signed. Actually, yeah. It's not an insert or inside the book it's all on the covers so as a collection that people can listen to the record still and not have to worry about it getting yeah getting damaged or the Mm -hmm. you know those uh autos getting you know rubbing against other records if you want to put it in you know in a record case or whatever however you store them that's amazing yeah because right now now that i think about it because i have a lot of records that are signed and then i have to take i have the record it's like the thing itself that's signed the 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 outer thing. And then I have all the records like in sleeves, like kind of have like, so I have to X or I can access the record, but it's not in the right, um, you know, it's not jacket. in the jacket and all that stuff. Cause it's like, I have the jacket here and it's saved away. So it doesn't get ruined. And then if I want to listen to that record, I have to go find it and it's not in the right thing. So that's cool that you guys did it or that you did it that way. And you thought that far ahead. That's so right. Yeah. That's a awesome. It was awesome. a lot of work. 
Yeah, I can't. All imagine. that stuff was done <laughs> done here. So, but the reason my logic for that was I wanted to make everything affordable. And the thing that I was finding out was every little thing, which I, I knew, but maybe not to the degree, but every little thing that you do adds this cost and it's mm-hmm. multiplied. And all of a sudden I'm just like, you know, plus the other idea was shipping stuff all around. That's how it gets damaged. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'll just do everything here and lower the price. I mean, I'm, that's one of the things I'm super proud of with this project is everything's price point for it's what cheap. it act. Yeah. For what it actually is, oh. is pretty crazy. And I, I mean, I take massive pride in being able to do that. I, that was going to be my next point that the record's only seventeen ninety nine and it's signed by you. And like the amount of detail that you just told me that you put into it as well. That is something to be, yeah, yeah that's very proud of. That's incredible. But part of the reason why I could do that is I wasn't paying to have all this. I did all the extra stuff myself uh-huh. without having another company seal it and another company number them. Right. And add this in and all of a sudden it would have changed the whole price point of everything. I would add five or $6 to be quite honest. Easily. And yeah. I mean, I've never seen a signed record to be honest, that's under 40 bucks. So um, a, a vinyl like yeah. that. I mean, that's a pretty standard if, even if it's an artist, that's not achieve what you have, yeah. you know what I mean? So cool. I appreciate it. I have it in my card. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to buy it right after this call, but I have one more question before you, before I let you go to Josh, I, again, I appreciate you so much for doing this. Um, yeah, no problem. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Just be yourself. Stay true to your, I know it's a cliche and everyone says that, but you know, you're talking to me in about this project and to me, this project is like a hundred percent of who I am as a person and not necessarily what's going on in music right now. Um, and you know, it's off to a great start. So it's a perfect example of, I think of truly just doing what you want to do, um, and what makes you happy versus trying to do whatever is in style or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, I think it's just important that way. It's, I kind of take it, I used, I mean, when we talked about being a collector, it's kind of like this advice that was given to me a long time ago when I collected sports cards, which was collect what you love, not what you think will bring you money down the road. And it really made, it just hit home for me on so many different levels. And that's, that would be my advice is just truly do what you think and what you enjoy. And when it's honest, I think people feel it and, um, and they can connect to it versus more than something that's contrived or put together. Trying to-